Bye. Short Bus Debate Club. It's a bus. Rolling. I can get on board. <laughs> Hello, I'm Darren Jolly. <laughs> it's time to get this short bus started. So let's roll. And on with the show. Hi, welcome to part two of, I don't know, I think I named it sell out and become a star. Um, <laughs> this, is, this is Brian Courtney. Is that, is that a how-to? Darren Jolly is my name. How, how to sell out and become a star? Oh, I guess I should have said how-to. But they never actually said how to do it. Um, so is there anything specific that you want to talk about cuz i know we talked about metallica you know doing movies or their songs being in movies and and commercials um anything specific you wanted to cover at the opening of this no i i'm sure that we'll find some wonderful you know cul-de-sacs and... yes Yes, I'm sure we can twist and turn and and do all kinds of shit. So, in the episodes where we were actually talking about counterculture and subculture, I I kind of if you listen to the episode, you might get an impression that I was thrashing on Ice Cube, and I I was not. Um, you're, you're a cube hater. Ice Cube is really my favorite member of, of NWA. I loved West Side Connection. Um, I love his solo shit. So, and I love uh, Boys in the Hood. And all three Fridays, although the second Friday is my favorite. Really? Dude, when that... Big fat chick is chasing dude around in the parking lot because she's going to kick his ass. Um, and he's like, no, no, look, here, this is, look at this cookie. <laughs> Just like the one you got in prison. Um, that shit makes me laugh when he's talking about the snacks. She knows about all the snacks. She knows about the year 2000 snacks and she knows about like a Twinkie when you bite into it strawberry and shit fills your mouth she she knows about all the snacks hilarious like, uh, you're, you're like the substance of these moments you know that you grab onto <laughs> when you're trying to describe your favorites I should listen to them talk about porkies <laughs> no the reason I was talking about porkies was because there is no fucking way that movie could be shown now. Um, and I think maybe that's the like reason. Made. Like we can't, we can't make a movie like that. Well, I don't know, but they pulled it off of Amazon. It was just on there. And now it says, this is not available. You can't even fucking buy it, dude. So, pork porkies? Yeah. So I don't know. And you might be able to go to Amazon and purchase an actual DVD, but you can't stream it on Prime. So I don't know if that's because of the content or because of the the way that the contracts work with, you know, how it's moving to this streaming service or that, whatever. I don't know the reason, but it's gone. Um, so 
it may have sounded like I was thrashing Ice Cube, and, and I wasn't. All I was saying is that, you know, people considered him a gangster rapper. And then he did Are We There Yet and Are We Done Yet. And I don't know which order those came in. I, I saw both of them. I didn't really like either one of them. They were kind of amusing, but I, I'm not going to fucking watch them again. But I was thinking about it. So, that question was really bothering me. Why? Why would somebody change from, you know, being this gangster to somebody that's doing Disney movies? And it's not a Disney movie, but you hopefully understand the comparison. Um, I think maybe, and I don't know for sure with the timeline and everything, but there was that big hip-hop, East Coast, West Coast beef, you know, uh, Suge Knight and... Puff Daddy were arguing with each other, and, and B.I.G. and Tupac were arguing with each other, and the media grabbed a hold of it and spun it out of fucking control, and maybe, just maybe, Ice Cube said, you know what, fuck this shit, I'm about to have a kid, or I just had a kid, I'm, I'm done, what, what were you showing me? The, so, like, I made a joke about how he probably put his voice on a cartoon show, and he was in the Book of Life. Oh, okay. <laughs> and he, so he did, in fact. And he's done some other decent movies. Like, he was in at least one with Kevin Hart. Um, and he was in another one with that chick from uh, The Newsroom. Um, the blonde girl? No, the hot one. Oh, uh, uh, the, what's her name? Um, yeah, I know who you're talking about. The one that, uh... And I'm not saying the blonde one wasn't hot, I'm just saying that... The brunette was yeah, smoking, yeah. The really hot one, and I never can remember her name. Um, so he's been in a lot of movies. It, it wasn't just the, the Disney ones. But either way, even if you're in a movie with Kevin Hart... Olivia Munn. Yeah, or Olivia Munn, you still changed your image. So I don't know if it was for safety's sake, if it had something to do with money. I mean, because he's got his own production company called Cube Productions. They did all other Fridays, and they may have done other movies besides the Fridays. Um, so I don't know, but here's... so. You know, Cube, you went and made more money, you raised a family, you know, Cube Jr. is now an actor, so good job. The thing that really makes me laugh, though, and shows just how mainstream hip-hop, and Ice Cube specifically is, is that I think it was 2018, I was at one of the tech shows in Vegas, so the way these tech shows work is you go to the tech show and everybody tries to sell you whatever product they have to sell. But generally speaking, the larger tech companies who have a fucking ton of money to burn will always throw an after party sometime that week. 
and you've got to do something in order to gain entry. Um, you've got to listen to their sales pitch. You've got to watch a video. You've got to do some horseshit in order to earn a ticket. And a ticket is usually in the form of a bracelet. Well, whatever year it was, and whatever month it was for that matter, because I think I was out there three or four times that year, um, Ice Cube was the big marquee. I mean, he was he was the guy on the sign, right? And it just made me laugh to think, and I wasn't even thinking about this show at that time, but it made me laugh to think that there are all of these Asians and white people who probably at one time were fans of Tipper Gore are trying to get bracelets to go see Ice Cube and they have no fucking idea. Like they probably, there's a high probability that at least the white people were like the ones burning and running over NWACDs and and protesting and whatever. But it just, it made me laugh Nobody thinking about that. Really no, probably not. But maybe her group in general. Um, what was this year? It was either 2017 or 2018. And it would have been around between... June and August, because that's usually when all the shows are. Most of the people that would have been doing the explicit lyric stuff back then would have been significantly older than most of the people that would have been at that trade show with you. Now, having said that, there's no doubt that there's all kinds of contradictions in people, relative levels of absurdity, you know, but I think most of those people that would have been out there, white kids, were probably in their basement hiding from their parents listening to fucking NWA. Well, maybe. There were a lot of people that were my age, mm-hmm. so they would have known who Ice Cube was. Mm-hmm. Um, but there were also, I mean, if you think of VP level management and up and a lot of these companies, you're talking about people that are, you know, at least 60 years old at the time. Um, and who knows, maybe the marketing person that fucking booked Ice Cube to, to play the show was that old. I, I don't know. And I'm thinking that a lot of them wouldn't have even ever heard of NWA if, or West Side Connection, well, if they hadn't seen the movie, the, what, what the fuck was that movie called that? basically played it all out and showed them getting ripped off by the manager and Sarah Thompson. That's the name of the movie? Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. So if they hadn't seen straight out of Compton or hadn't their kids hadn't watched it or whatever, then they wouldn't have known who the fuck Ice Cube was. So the thought and I did get a bracelet, so I could have gone to the show. (laughs) But I uh, didn't want to deal with all of the crowds, so I did not go. I know, I should have gone, and I should have recorded it, because I'm guessing 
like I said, in IT, it's it's mostly Asians and and white people. But you want to talk about like him revising his image and what he's doing and who he is. He was a writer on Yellow Jackets, right? He was a writer on Showtime. He really? Was, he was a writer on Euphoria. Really? Fucking weird, dude. He's done all kinds of weird shit since he's sort of like. Well, I know he wrote at least in part, the Fridays trilogy. But that makes sense to me. But to imagine him writing, I mean, Euphoria maybe, because, the you drugs. know, the consumption and all that kind of stuff. But, and I haven't watched Yellow Jackets much. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go through it a little bit because there's some fucking real weird shit going on in that show. I saw two episodes and yeah. I turned it off. Yeah, they're all, they're girls in a, in a soccer team back in the, 90s or something like that i can't remember what year but it kind of gave me a little bit of a visual of like a live and and i never there they didn't ever talk about the cannibalism straight out mm -hmm. but something happened when that plane crashed mm -hmm. so it was like a combination i'm guessing i probably should watch the so whole the thing girls, the girls were in a plane crash you're saying yeah so it's, I think it's a combination of, like, Alive and Lord of the Flies, except for chicks. Yeah, because they're wearing all this weird, like, masks regalia and, and yeah. fucking antlers. And... Yeah, I, 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 I'm going to go down the rabbit hole a little bit, just because it looks so fucking odd, dude. But uh, I didn't realize it was a plane crash. I mean, I only watched the first, half the first uh, episode, but they're like... They keep talking to all these people. What happened then? What happened then? What happened then? And I didn't get to the point where... It's something I think you have to pay attention to, and that's probably another reason that I turned it off, because they kept bouncing around in time. Yeah. And so you've got to kind... And I mean, clearly I understood that they were bouncing around in time, yeah. but... You've got to be on it. If you're going to be watching, around, or watching it, you can't be... You know, writing a screenplay and listening to music and going outside to smoke and shit like that. You gotta be focused. Well, even on like the basest example of that, where it's just a film, like you go see Pulp Fiction in the theater, you're gonna get it ish the first time, but you gotta go back and watch it again, no matter what. Like well, anytime. you should go back and anyway, watch it I again. Anyway, that. I understand that, of course. Yes, as a person who's probably watched the movie a hundred times, yes, I've, I've done my due diligence with Pulp Fiction. Yeah, but a movie that or any show like movies easy that's two and a half hours you know uh, a show like that I mean that's yeah you're you're right you've got to you've got to be there and sometimes you got to go back there and be again be there again if you want to get anything out of it yeah so maybe I will watch it because they keep pushing it on me, me you too. know yeah. Yellow Jackets this is a show we think you'll like of course then they tell me I'll also like Dexter No Blood. Um, Which is just awful. Yeah, they should know that no one likes Dexter No Blood. And I watched you. You quit. You gave up after you said season five, right? Yeah. And I I watched See, uh, five or six. I mean, I I did just say fuck it. I'm done. Mm -hmm. I, I watched them all many times, so it would make more sense in my my space. But I guess that you're just grouped. Yeah. The things that you watch, everybody else finished all the seasons on and went, went back and said, man, you know, the, the, the guy that's from uh, the, the big uh, 
the big guy from uh, the Shawshank Redemption, you know. Is, is, like, he's a great villain, and that was one of his worst villain movies, shows ever. Like, they're, they're all pretty close, but, you know, I would say probably the new Max, which I fucking absolutely hate, but that actually, so we have to circle back in a minute, because yeah, yeah. it used to be HBO Max, so HBO was kind of the headliner it just had shows from HBO and Cinemax, and it had movies. Well, Time Warner and Discovery, I don't know, Discovery bought Time Warner, or they merged, or whatever happened. And the geniuses thought, well, HBO is this elitist channel. Yeah, yeah. Um, what do they call it? The, uh... Bicoastal. Bicoastal. That's yeah. That's what I was looking for. Yeah. The bicoastal elite are the ones that like HBO. So we're going to rebrand it. We're going to call it Max, and we're going to introduce other programming. So now it has a bunch of fucked up reality shows, which I absolutely hate. Reality shows are just an example of how. Far we've fallen. Yeah, it's the lowest. It's the lowest level. I mean, because it's pure voyeurism and it's voyeurism that like attends itself to like, like there are some things that like a cooking show here and there, you know, diners, drive-ins, and dives, or like no no reservations. Love fucking. Uh, I wish you would. Bourdain was badass. Yeah. But when it turns into, you know, I want to sit there. I, I I'm a fat person. But I want to sit there and look at a person that's three times as fat as I am uh, to make me feel better about, you know, my attitude towards things or whatever. Like it turns it. Yeah, it turns into a level of voyeurism. And also all of these stupid shows where you sit there, you have the most beautiful people in the universe and you're watching them interact with one another to try and find love or try to get married. Like there's a level of. It's just, it is, yes, it's disgusting. They're it's, it's all, they're all fucking horrible. So I used to watch cooking shows with my grandma all the time before there was a cooking channel. I watched them on PBS. Good old Julia Childs and, uh, what's that guy that? Uh, Yao Ming and the Cajun Chef. And the Cajun, that was that guy, what, what do you say? What, what he always had a little bit of, um, uh. Oh, you're talking about Emerald. Lagasse? No, I'm not talking about adding a little bit of wine, but the, the, no, the, the one that would, uh. Well, of course, that was uh, the wine one was, uh, what's her name, too? Uh, Julia Child. Are you but... talking about, bam, that guy? No, the, the, the Cajun Chef. Okay, the because... one where the suspenders and shit? Yeah, and he, dude, his fucking Louisiana accent was so fucking heavy, and he, little, little, I have a little bit of then, dang. Well, he was right? the one that was a stand-up comedian, which I thought was weird. He was weird. funny as fuck, though. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so I watched those, and then I would watch the Food Network when the Food Network came out. At first. Yes. Mm -hmm. And then, so History and Discovery merged, and then all of a sudden, the History Channel went to shit, because it was all reality shows, and Discovery went to shit, which Discovery owned the Food Network, and then all of a sudden, it was fucking some shit where people had to race shopping carts around the grocery store. Guy's grocery grabber game. Some fucking cake bake off and Halloween decoration 
cook off and Iron Chefs turned into Bronze Chefs turned dude. into it just it just got overboard. It's fucking horrible. So now Max has all of those shows on that. Uh, oh yeah, because I saw Diners, Drive-Ins, and Dives, and all this, all the stuff from the Food Network is on there now, isn't it? Yeah, but they do have uh, no reservations, and they have the other one because he left and went to CNN or vice versa, whatever. So they've got oh, Anthony. Yeah, yeah, they've got both no reservations, and and those are good. But that's because Anthony the Bourdain. Places, one, whatever the fuck is. Yeah, I can't remember. Um, but here's how it kind of circles back. So Max is horrible, but I did discover something again about the mainstream. So hopefully our listeners remember who Lil John is. Okay. <laughs> his, his famous song, or at least the one I remember is, to the window, to the wall. Let the sweat sweat drip down my balls. Okay, so probably not something you want your kids to listen to or whatever. Now, he, to the window, to the wall. Um, now he's got a fucking show called Little John Did What? And it's a fucking home decorating show. He goes in and remodels... Well, he doesn't remodel, but he goes in and, I don't know, films them remodeling a home. We're going to do this with the window <laughs> and not with the wall. You think that's why they it did it? The sweat rings down my balls. <laughs> I'm an innovator, just in case you didn't know. I wonder if that's why they did it. If that's dude, And that if that's the, maybe the intro song. That would be some, like. Slitting your wrist in the war t- warm tub kind of reasoning right there. Well, again, I didn't watch the show, but... You don't say? You didn't just binge the whole fucking thing? No. Um, but they do it, so if we... That's reality, right? Well, um, that's debatable. But. Yeah. Um, <laughs> they did, you mentioned, like, the all the beautiful people dating yeah. whoever... So, Public Enemy is another one of my favorite fucking bands, but Flavor Flav has always irritated the shit out of me. I hate gimmicks, and that fucking stupid clock and all the goofy sunglasses and shit that he wore was a gimmick, and it was had nothing to do with what they were talking about. Um, He was just a fucking goofy bastard, but he ended up, I don't, flavor, I flavor can't, love shack yeah, fla- flavor of love, flavor of love, okay, there you go, I guess something stupid like that, so, again, that was a militant band, or, they definitely were very politically conscious, and they definitely were communicating about their dissatisfaction with, uh, say for instance, uh, your uh, ability to contact an uh, emergency um 911 is a joke in your town. Yeah. 911. Yeah, we're, you know, we are. If anybody wants to contract, contract us to come and do a. We uh, do bar mitzvahs. Yeah. <laughs> weddings. <laughs> we come do it with the Beastie Boys, too. And the Beatles. <laughs> the Beastie Boys, the Beatles. The Beatles. Carry on. Um, so. Public Enemy and. Uh, Beastie Boys. So there are a bunch of those like that. And 
of course, I I quit watching, like, so I always had cable, and I had all of the channels, but I watched the movie channels, and the only reason I had the other channels was because they wouldn't let you buy just the movie channels. It was a package deal. So I never watched any of those on history or whatever. Um so there's probably others besides Flavor of Love and Lil Jon. Yeah, I'm certain that there's an infinite regress problem in relation to the uh, collective voyeurism of the United States. We don't want to experience anything anymore. We have our shameful experiences that we don't allow anyone else to see, but we put all these other even more shameful experiences on camera so that we can assuage our disgust at ourselves for not being able to be social actors and grabbing someone else that uh, does it to the nth degree beyond that, and that creates that separation to where we don't have to engage history. We just engage our obsessive, compulsive, disgusting activities that don't allow us to be socially engaged. Yeah, and now... Did you feel that bitch slap? That's exactly what that was. Now I can't even really sort through them to find the movies that I want to watch because... No, it doesn't matter. I don't want to fucking talk about Max the whole time. Um, but yeah, now my fucking, the Max thing is just full of fucking reality bullshit. So I'm sure there's a couple of fucking rappers on on there more than just Lil John. You think Ice Cube's got a reality show? No, but you know who else did? And I think he was considered kind of a gangster rapper. And he doesn't have the show anymore, I don't think. But Exhibit. Um... He had that show, I think it was called West Coast Customs, and they did cars. Um, you know, and I like cars, but some of the shit that they did, it was just so stupid. Like, I'm a big believer in form following function. And so I don't see the purpose of opening up your trunk and having a fucking 62-inch TV and I'm exaggerating, but... Okay. <laughs> so, Exhibit had a reality show. Um, you can go on and on and on. Yeah, that's just kind of off the top of my head. So, the, it's definitely more mainstream. I mean, dude, Ice-T... So, I didn't remember him being in the movie... But he was in both Breakin' and Breakin' 2. Really? Yeah. Electric Boogaloo? Electric Boogaloo. Uh, then I think his breakout role was probably New Jack City. But this is a guy that did a song called Six in the Morning, which was about fucking dealing drugs and being chased by the cops. And then with Body Count, he did Cop Killer. So, and now, he's on special victims that's what I was going to say, is that, ironically, he's on a fucking cop show where he is a cop. Um, LL Cool J, another guy who made the crossover. He was probably one of the first, I don't know, five or ten that managed to make it over into the mainstream. He wasn't gangster, not really. He didn't sing about shooting people or anything. He was 
just a, a rapper. He needed a beat. Um, he needed love. He was doing it well. Um, and he's on NCIS LA or NCIS San Diego or some shit. I don't know because they spin him off. I see him on breaking too. I see him on breaking. Oh, well. Oh, there, no, he is. There he is. Yep, you got it. He's a ra- Radiotron rapper in that one. And it's, yeah, oh, yeah, it's right, it's right above it. So, it's, yeah, it's first, uh, he was a rap talker in 84, and that, he was on an episode of Fame prior to that, but you are indeed correct. His, his, his real, oh, no, 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 uh, was he, did he just do the song for Colors? He wasn't in Colors. Okay, he just did the song for Colors. I don't remember him being in no, Colors, he was, he but he definitely the was the color, or the, the soundtrack the guy. The breakout role yeah. was 91, yeah, Scotty Appleton, New Jack City. Which he didn't he didn't do Cop Killer until ninety two. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh and I don't know if that's why his roles thinned out after that, because he didn't end up getting into SVU and I mean he was in movies between then and SVU, but they weren't New Jack City roles. No. That yeah, that was a straight, yeah. He was in CB4. <laughs> yeah. And he was in a horrible fucking movie called Trespass. Um, he was in Saint Girl. He was in Johnny Mnemonic. He was... I liked his character in Johnny Mnemonic. Because he was kind of... And he was kind of a rebel. He uh, was against the system and... And Johnny Mnemonic. He had to, oh, Judgment Day. I forgot. He, he, that was not a good movie, but he was in that too. But he also did a fucking song on that soundtrack that was badass. And I can't remember, because what they did is they took, for the soundtrack for Judgment Night, they took, right, Judgment Night, not Judgment Day. They no. took a rap group and a heavy metal group and did a song together. And I can't remember the fucking name of the song that he did, but that's a good fucking soundtrack, too. So check out Judgment Night. The movie Blue, but the soundtrack was badass. If you like rap and or heavy metal. Yeah, not... But, yeah, but SBU is really what, like, brought him back from the dead, dude. Yeah, and he's been on there for a long Mm -hmm. fucking time now. But I just don't know, like... 516 episodes. So, uh, Method Man was on Netflix, uh, Nick Cage. Mm -hmm. But that's okay. No, I like that show. That that I wasn't talking shit. I'm just trying to think of actors that are rappers that became actors. Method Man is also on. There he didn't make it until later in the the show, but he ended up playing an attorney on. Um, it was a show on Stars, and it was about a drug dealer. And I can picture the cover, but I can't remember the fucking name of it. But he was in that also. So out of the... Oh, no. The RZA. He's been in a bunch of shit. He so, was in Ghost Dog and... Most of the Wu-Tang guys, though, I don't see them as, like, deviating from their their relative social dispositions, though. 
You know what I mean? Like, I don't see them, like, trying to re... No, because it was Redman that was in How High, right? Or... I'm looking through this uh, Method Man, one thing that I forgot. Hang on, what was... Oh, I'm confusing him with somebody else. No, that is him. He was in uh, Garden State, dude. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah, because he was the guy that was the, the bellhop or whatever. Hold up. <laughs> Hold up. Who here wants to bust it up? Or Did we it? not just see some pussy? <laughs> Who here saw some pussy? <laughs> Natalie Portman's like, yeah, she's got her hand. That's so fucking funny, dude. Man. Oh, I, 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 that was a cute movie. Not a brilliant movie, but a cute movie. I totally forgot that he was the... I don't know what the fuck you'd call him. He has he the little the, bellhop yeah, hat. Yeah, they're, but they're in the... Yeah, looking through the... Where they have the prostitutes that are fucking... Yeah. It's like an, it's like a 15-minute uh, hotel, right? One of them... Where they, they call them love hotels in Korea, right? Like where you can go in and rent it for... A, I don't know if that's the kind of hotel it was because what the fuck kind of shitty hotel where you just go in and out um so has a bellhop i don't i don't i don't know about bellhops but i can tell you that when i was um uh, dealing that poker tournament in costa rica uh at the the, the del mar and the del rey they had a they had a 15 minute hotel where you could go in and there was actually this dumbass kid that was there with us dealing and uh, he ran um a poker room on uh Trinidad and Tobago, right? And he'd lived down there for quite a while. And uh, he was a straight dipshit. But uh, um, he told us this story. And if I hadn't been in that place, I would not have believed him, right? But uh, because, like, San Jose is a, a competitive market for prostitution. It's all uh, legal. It's all um, regulated. Uh, the girls that are working girls, um, they have cards where they go into these places. They clock in saying that they're they're working. It's not for, it's just for their safety so that they can uh, communicate with the, and uh, they're required to do STD tests at least twice a month. Um, there are billboards up when you get off the plane that says if you try to solicit sex from somebody under the age of 18, we're going to throw you into a prison and we're going to throw away the key. Um, very, very interesting, very cool. And uh, because of the fact that uh, they have so many uh, business and uh, financial activities that go through there, um, they allow for women to immigrate into the country from various different locations. So they'll have women from Colombia, they'll have women from Panama, they'll have women from Dominican Republic, from all over the place, right? And when you walk into the, one of these places on a regular active night, if you make eye contact with a female, she is going to come up to you and start to bargain, right? So, Johnny was the guy's name. Uh, he, uh, uh, I mean, he was a dog, you know, so, like, that's how he got things taken care of for all of his life. So, he came in, and there was this really pretty Colombian girl that, uh, he made a eye contact with. Then when they would come to you and start the bargaining, they would always start at $100 for a session, right? And, uh, you know, a session in quotes, right? So she walked up to him and uh, she says $100 and he says $20. And she knows she's hot, right? So 
she says a hundred dollars, dude. Like she's she's just reestablishing. If you want to do this, you're gonna at least have to give me a better number than that, right? He says twenty dollars, and he like not even you know his his voice doesn't change. It's the same kind of thing. And she kind of gives him the head tilt and looks at him. And she goes, "How long?" He says, 10 minutes." She says, "Okay." And they went and took care of business in one of the quarter-hour uh, hotel rooms. No, I'm not saying that they don't exist. Um, like this woman I used to work with, she used to always call it a no-tell motel. Yeah. Um, that fucking joint over off of uh, 6th and Federal. Yeah, yeah, I know what, I know what you're talking That about. was yeah. a, a drug-dealing motel yeah. as well as <laughs> being a place where you could take a hooker, I'm guessing. I could tell you a story about somebody that I knew uh, where uh, two two girls were with two guys there, and uh, the police showed up and uh, busted the two guys for having crack on them. But I, w- I won't tell that one because the, the names would... I got to protect the innocent. Not so innocent in this instance. My point is, <laughs> is that when you go to a place like that, if they have rates that are like under a night, there's not going to be a concierge. The there's there's on... not going to be a bellhop. Well, maybe if it's Method Man, it would be, you know? <laughs> Hold up! <laughs> Of course, what you're saying, dude. It was just, I mean, it like like it's just Zach Craft doing that for the sake of of the film, and and obviously Costa Rica is qualitatively different than you know uh, something that would go on in in you know they might be down the street from the Sopranos. You know, well, see if you remember that movie, I remember it well. Then there were holes in the wall. Right, that's where they they and then they were in the the hallway okay. or in the in between the rooms. Yes. There were more, and it was more than them that were looking through the holes. Right. So, but there was, in that room where they were watching that guy fuck that prostitute, Mm -hmm. Natalie Portman said, how do you know she's a prostitute? And he said, why would a girl like that be with a guy like that? Uh He had luggage and shit in there. He was like a businessman, probably traveling. So I'm guessing it was a decent hotel that had some fucking shady employees. And I I know of more than one decent hotel that has gotten in trouble for having shady employees like that. Or putting fucking cameras on the rooms and weird shit like that. So... I mean, no, no matter what, whenever I think about the con- concept of prostitution in a, in a hotel in the United States, I'm certainly not going to use, you know, Method Man, Zach Braff, Natalie Portman, and uh, Cato, you know, <laughs> as my frame for understanding how prostitution would really be carried out, particularly with this fucking, like you said, I mean, and, and it's not just that the bellhop hat's on, it's on and it's tilted over to the side a little bit. I mean, it's... It's fu- it's fucking hilarious, beautiful scene. I mean, it's it's typical. Like when Zach Brass at his best, it's that sort of like obnoxious, goofy kind of like imagery, you know? Yeah. So I mean, he really is kind of disappointing me for the rest of his career because he did so well in writing and directing that one. Like he, because that the absurdity of moments like that, you know, were incredibly beautiful and absolutely not realistic in any meaningful way at all. No, especially like the weird hole in the ground. But that's but, such a cool scene, dude. You know, the the yeah the eternal yeah yeah mm-hmm. um yeah. So regardless of whether or not classy hotels have 
<laughs> no, classy hotels have hookers there. With bellhops. Right, yes, yeah. Wear hats, like, and, and the method man, yeah. Well, most of them all have fucking bellhops. I I hate those fucking places. And, and they're so used to people wanting them because they, oh, well, I don't know. I'll break a nail or, you know, I can't be bothered to carry my own luggage. Um, we don't have a lot of that bougie in us, bro. No. <laughs> I remember going to fucking, we went to Vail one year, off season, but they all stormed the car and wanted to carry all of our luggage. It was me and Roger, Yana and Julie, we all went. Mm -hmm. And uh, Shit, that must have been a minute ago. It was a while. But we were going up to the room and... I actually had to fight the guy because he kept trying to grab my fucking suitcase. And then later on, the water kept leaking in the toilet, so I just pulled the fucking lid and fixed it. it. Yeah. And they were like, you should have called us. And I was like, why? why? And I think, so one, the employees are so used to these fucking uppity, yeah. rich pricks. What was the, what was the, what was the hotel? I can't remember. It was one of the resort hotels, but away from it wasn't one of the ski into. Mm -hmm. It was like in the main square. Okay, okay. Sorry. No, that's fine. Um so you know, I, I don't think that some shithole hotel is gonna have bell hops, but I could be wrong. And maybe that's how they have to make their money is by charging people to look through drilled holes in the wall. If there's a context that demands it, yeah. I mean, because like you said, there's literally in that scene, and I don't want to, you know, we probably are, we just about killed Garden State at this point in time, which is a movie that has nothing to do with except for the fact that it has fucking Method Man, method man, in, man it. in it. Yeah, but uh, like there's like six fucking motherfuckers that are sitting there like, like, freaking breathing hard looking through these fucking like they're touching themselves where they be i mean there's like a a degree of disgust in this moment where you're just like look man like i said i i went down to that fucking brothel you know and i i i, I mean to be clear i've never paid for uh, a prostitute in my life but i've been in places where they're there i'm a curious baby so i'm gonna take a look around see what's going on but uh I mean, I'm not going to judge all the way around, you know, but if you're sitting there fucking like, yeah, panting while you're looking through a, you know, like you said, like, I'm going to pay the fucking bellhop $30 to go and look through a fucking, because I, I'd rather not just point and click at my house. I want the real thing, you know, even a, what do they call them? The, cam, the cams, the um, webcams, the live webcams. Yeah. That's not good enough. I want to be able to see it happening right in front of me. Fucking weirdos. Yeah, you're a wackadoo, perv, whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, okay, so hippity hip hop, rapidy rap hop. I think we spent a lot of time talking about that. I'm not positive because I wasn't looking at the time. I was looking at our sound levels. Mm -hmm. Either way, it was fucking entertaining to me. <laughs> um, so I had an idea. A couple of them, and and I definitely have some things that I want to talk about. So, the Fridays, we know that weed was involved 
in those, um, especially the first one. A little bit. We used to be subversive, no longer subversive, so much so that they can just make a fucking movie about it and, you know, everybody's smoking weed. Actually, you can smoke weed probably on screen and get a better result than if you tried to smoke cigarettes on screen yeah it's like yeah it's it, like weed is totally copacetic yeah and cigarettes are like the bane of i'm surprised they don't have more uh um vaping but that's a different thing so they kind of do i've seen a lot of movies where people are vape on their tv shows um so the fridays are ice cube mm -hmm. used yeah. to be subversive mm -hmm. now mainstream mm -hmm. And weed mm -hmm. used to be subversive, now mainstream. How high? I'm pretty sure it's Red Man. I, I've only seen the movie once, and I think I turned it off because it was fucking horrible. Um, but it was weed Will, and Will, a rapper. Willie Nelson and Snoop Dogg in uh, um, Half-Baked. Half-Baked. I, I was going to talk about Half-Baked, too, because, I mean, there were a lot of fucking people in that, not just... You ever looked at a $20 bill? Right. Nobody knew fucking John Stewart. John Stewart, Janine Garofalo. I mean, there were a ton of fucking people. People knew who Janine movie. Garofalo was still at that point in time. Yeah. She'd done some of these bad movies in the 90s. She was also in that show, The Ben Stiller Show. Um, and that was a great show. I don't know why they fucking cut that. Anyway, um, Half Baked, great movie. Pretty much just about weed. weed. Yeah. And, fuck, that was made 22 years ago? Yeah, 2000, 2001, yeah. Carry on. Um, well, no, that, I mean, that was just kind of, the weed stuff is is more prevalent now. I mean, dude, there's a show, again. eight, dude, it's 25 years old. Fuck. Okay, so that means it went mainstream that earlier. Was, that was Dave Chappelle's real like first by himself big one you know yeah and it was it was awesome That's i mean hilarious dude. i don't even fucking smoke weed and i watch that shit and laugh Tommy uh was the squirrel master weed is so mainstream now that there's a fucking show again on max and again it is a reality show but jim belushi has a show because apparently he has started a fucking uh, weed farm. And Jim Belushi, I can't remember. It's called, Dis, I don't know, Disjointed? No, maybe that's another show about weed. Anyway, reality show, Jim Belushi, marijuana. Um, I think it's been out since 2019 or something like that. 2020 yeah it's totally been commodified i mean it's just totally been chewed up and and for whatever reason like whatever it was that was uh like subversive about it like if there was anything subversive it's totally fucking invisibilized now yeah i mean fuck my mom used to give me so much shit about smoking weed course this is in the 90s now like back when this shit with my back started mm. she's like 
I've got a friend who told me you should just smoke weed. Here. And she's trying to push this shit on me, or CBD, or whatever. She, I can't remember what it was. I think it was during Thanksgiving or Christmas, sometime out at my sister's house. Mm -hmm. She ate fucking edibles. My mom was getting high. Mm -hmm. That means it's pretty fucking mainstream and that all of the fucking bad shit has burned away. Um, we don't, I mean, the funny thing is, is that, and I want to be careful about one thing. So, like, because you're starting to see the same thing with, with psychedelics now, right? Like, like mushrooms are being utilized towards different ends. Like they're legal in color, or mushrooms are. Yeah, yeah. Legal. So, they're, 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 and, uh. Like we talked about in the other one, anything under four grams, like if you got MDMA, if you got LSD, it's a, um, what a, a misdemeanor now, right? But uh, um, it doesn't need to stay subversive, but the liberatory concepts that were tied to them initially need to be understood in their full, um, like the spectrum of what it is that they, they, they open up and provide. And, and I mean, that's where, like, when it gets rooted in this totally um, commodified disposition, and it's like it becomes abstracted to the point where the only value is in, you know, surplus exchange. Like, you make money off, off of it at that point. It, like, that's, it's not the worst thing in the world, but... The deeper meaning of it does seem to get lost in all these different. Yeah, I'm. I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with with weed being legal or mushrooms or the fact that, like, the thing that bugs me about the under four grams thing is that all of these people are still ODing on fentanyl, where if they just legalized it, then maybe they could get some treatment, or maybe, you know they would at least be able to get help if if they were dying without fear for, you know, going to jail or whatever. Um, so I, I don't have a problem with things going mainstream. But again, it's the whole idea that if your movement, whatever it is, movement for change, movement for a buzz, movement for getting your rocks off, movement, any any forward momentum, or if it's considered counterculture, backward momentum, um, any of those movements, if they are just completely absorbed into the mainstream, you know, because I don't know that weed had a lot of meaning for me. I mean, I was making some money off of it, and I did get a buzz. Um, it had meaning for me only because the state had a very specific disposition with regards to it that was totally incorrect based on completely wrong things. So like in my response to like when I would go and I would go to school, like it was a way of saying you're lying, you know, everything that you're saying is dishonest. And I would be very vocal about that in, in those uh, social spaces. Oh, I did yeah. too. I got in trouble because I wrote a fucking paper about THC mm -hmm. and the legalization of it. And 
not just the THC part, but the fucking hemp and the fact that you could make, you know, a, a fuel that could actually run a car off a hemp seed and, you know, hemp grows much faster than yeah. corn and, and whatever. Yeah, else. all the rope and the textiles and all that. So it was, mm -hmm. I mean, a beautiful plant. The potential for using the, the oil and the seeds as a, a fuel. That was another thing they were talking about back then. I thought I just said that. Did you just say that? Yeah, sometimes I'm spacing out. <laughs> you shouldn't watch Yellow Jackets right now, dude. <laughs> That's kind of funny. <laughs> and also, it'd be good for us to consider the possibility that we could use the oil and the seeds for, for fuel. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, there was meaning, but I, I argue about lots of things that I think are incorrect and and try to find a way to correct them. So aside from, you know, arguing and saying you guys have been lying to us forever, it didn't really have meaning. I mean, it was a buzz. Mm -hmm. I could say the same thing about, you know, heroin or pain pills or whatever, you know, quit, quit fucking with us. You're lying to us. It's it's not true what you're saying. Um, but I mean the the meaning is is that it helps with my pain. Mm -hmm. Not heroin. I don't know what heroin is, but I I know what it is. I just don't know what it's like. Um, maybe better to keep it that way too. Just one man's opinion. <laughs> so. Yeah, I don't, it's not like I'm always looking for whatever is subversive or what people consider cool or not cool or whatever. I just, I can't figure out like, again, why, and I, I keep using him because, again, I, I, I was a fan and I can't figure out like, why he decided, yeah, well, just, okay, any of them. I mean, fucking, well, I can't use Chuck D because Chuck D didn't end up in a bunch of fucking movies. Um, Dr. Dre didn't end up in movies. And I'm not a fan of Dr. Dre anymore after the whole Napster thing anyway. Um, yeah, whatever. Let's, okay, so let's, let's play a game here for a second then. All right, so. In the initial sort of like moment where when you're young and you're about and you push back, right? Um, so we'll take like, say, for instance, uh, like I said, with punk earlier. So you got like Johnny Rotten and uh, Sid Vicious. Johnny Rotten uh, grew up in a very working class environment. His family immigrated from Ireland to, to London. Uh, there was a lot of prejudice against people that were from Ireland in, in London during that time period. Uh, you guys ass kicked a bunch when he was a kid. He can remember instances where, like, they'd be throwing bricks at his family and shit like that. Nobody got killed. People got hurt sometimes, right? But there were a lot of things. That he, when he talks about what uh, affected his uh, social con consciousness when it was growing when he was young, he saw that prejudice against where he was from, but he also saw a lot of things about 
social social status. Um, the difference, like I said, like he was he, one of the things that when I was reading earlier, he was very conscious of was the difference between middle class and working class because it was a much sharper divide where he, when he was growing up in the sixties and the seventies in the London area. So that resulted in him writing songs like the the shit against the queen, you know, never mind the bollocks, you know. Yeah. All the all that all that kind of fuck you stuff that he that he that he sort of wrote. So there's this space where there's the, the the push to drive a certain internal contradiction forward and then there's Sid Vicious meeting Nancy uh, thriving on his own ego, you know, doing a bunch of fucking heroin till they literally like lit their fucking apartment on fire and fuck well the hotel on fire and shit when they're staying at Chelsea Hotel. Um, so there's this this space where there's intention to, to, to change the world that you're a part of. And then there's this other thing that's happening at the same time. Right. So like when I was young and I was irritated and I was pushing back, not that I started a movement or that, you know, but like there was this thing that was about consciousness and trying to understand the parts of the world that were not reproducible you know, and, and trying to create a space where, so like, if you, if you look at that that way, or if you look at like, I mean, we talked a little bit about briefly yesterday, but about like movements, you know, when, when they, their inception occurred, you know, and then you have like uh, civil rights spinoffs and then you have like other more militant ones that develop, you know, like I said, the, the SDS thing and these kids were ultimately going to be yippies, you know, and, but Bernadine Dorn and Bill Ayers were never going to be yippies they're always going to be subversive they're always going to be driving towards as is you know the kid that they raised from kathy and uh kathy boudin and i can't remember uh, their his dad's name but the one that their their parents went to jail for um helping in the he ended up coming and talking about the school Chester, right? yeah chase i actually took him to the, the that's how i got to know him so well like when he came he talked about being the children of parents who were part of the weather underground and how the consequences of his parents' activism affected his life, right? But uh, Chessa, um, so so his his mom died last year. Um, his dad got let out of jail. I think he's still he's still around, but uh, finally. But they spent 30, 40 years in jail for felony murder because of what they they were the getaway drivers for the Black Liberation Army when they were going to rob an armored car. Uh, two of the uh, um, Armored car guards got Is that like got, 78. Uh, it, yeah, that's right about right. Yeah, it, two two of the armored car uh, um, guards got shot and killed, and because felony murder, the way it's written, um, everybody in the commission now, if we're in flight from a crime like that, they all get charged with the same uh, murder charge. So um, they they did both end up getting released. His dad got released, I think, last year. Um, and like I said, Kathy, uh, she died last year, but she'd been released a few years before that. But uh, Chessa, as an individual, like I said, he was raised by Bernadine Dorn and Bill Ayers in Chicago, in the Chicago area, like at Northwest, and I think they were both teaching there or something like that. But uh, um, he was very rebellious as a kid. Um, he really pushed back against them, but they're 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 you know they're very loving parents to him, and they sort of gave him the space to grow, and he ended up getting a fucking law degree, and 
he uh, went down to uh, Venezuela when Hugo Chavez was uh, the president there, and he was a foreign policy art advisor to Hugo Chavez when he was, um, like, I don't even know how that worked out, but they let him come in and to the government. They, you know, so I speaks, remember you telling he me speaks about Spanish, that. He speaks Spanish fluently, so he he was able, but he came back. Um, he was the uh, he was district attorney um, in San Francisco. He got ousted because. Uh, he was doing all these decriminalization things of drugs and trying to get people out of prison for nonviolent crimes. And, of course, all the um, centrist Dems and uh, especially the, like, really heavy right-wing people that were in uh, the San Francisco era said, uh, crime rates are rising because of this district attorney. we got to get this fucking guy out. And he did, he did end up getting ousted. But... Uh, um, he remained committed to that radical disposition, and unlike his parents, he didn't go drive an armored car or go go help rob an armored car. He did not go and bomb places like Bernadine Dorn. When Bill Ayers did bomb places where nobody was in them, the, the symbolic bombings that they did, if you don't know what I'm talking about, go read your fucking history about the Weather Underground. Um, but he did maintain a commitment toward, towards that. So, like, what, what I guess what I'm saying is, is that so you have these spaces where there's activities that get consumed by the overall culture because you can make money out of them. Like you said, if you, if you find a way to make money, then it gets internalized. If there's no way, you can't, you're not going to make money out of the weather underground because they're trying to undermine the logic of the system in the first right. place. They're trying to create a different system. So you have to purge that side. So that's a good, I mean, I think that's a good distinction is that you have these spaces where you can consume them because of the consumability of, of the ideas that you're trying to put forward. And you have these other ones that you have to purge entirely because they threaten the overall structure of the system of power in the first place. Well, that's why I think sociologists said, you know, there's a difference between subculture with deviant counter, activity, counterculture, counterculture mm -hmm. and then rebellion. So rebellion or the weather underground the Black Panthers were probably considered on that too, but it, I, I get your point. I, all I was trying to figure out is, you know, again, how do you end up because because the RZA the RZA can't act. He's he's not good. I love the movies he's in, Ghost Dog and and the Man with the Iron mm -hmm. Fist. Great fucking movies. Not a good actor. But you, the, there's a difference between even even Wu Tang and, and Ice Cube, because Wu Tang had a different. They, they no Wu Tang was more. So I would argue was at least in terms of uh, it just like I think Tupac too was more subversive. You know. Well, we we talked about Wu Tang and they were at least subversive to begin with. With they were even subversive against hip hop because they didn't have a traditional structure. It wasn't verse, verse, hook, verse, verse, hook. It was just 47 fucking verses because all of them had to have a turn or two. 47 verses and 36 chambers. <laughs> Maybe it was 36. No. <laughs> no. Just, you know, you know. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I, I get your point. I just... um. Like, again, so marijuana, 
is in every fucking movie now. It's probably, like I said, more accepted than cigarettes. Was considered subversive. Obviously, they were lying to us and have have been since at least Reefer Madness, right? At least. Um, that's, that's some stupid shit right there. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and most of it was racist shit. Yeah, dude. There's like I remember seeing this one pamphlet that was reproduced, and it said, you know, cancel me, whatever, you know. But it said this uh, smoking marijuana is what allow these jazz jazz musicians, these these dirty jazz musicians, these dirty niggers to slip so many notes in to these beats. Like they literally said that. And and that was a like in the Reefer Madness propaganda positions. Yeah. So it's, totally, it totally was fucking, fucking horrible. Racist. And uh, they were saying shit like these again, I don't know for sure. I, I thought that they said black people, but they may have, you know, used the more disparaging yeah. term. Yeah, the one that I saw definitely used the more disparaging term. Um, allow them to sleep with your women um shit like that mm -hmm. i mean uh fuck. neil cassidy and um kerouac talked a lot about that shit because they went to those places because they liked heroin and they liked weed um speed and stuff too a bunch of yeah things. they like drugs in general um which Fuck, we could talk about those, too. Um, so, the other... There are a couple that we talked about as, as far as being subcultures that, you know, were on the fringes. And those are the people that got tattoos, which could have been bikers, gangs, hippies, any of them. And now, there are at least 13 fucking tattoo reality shows. When I was watching Sid and Nancy the other day, because I had to watch it on one of those channels that had the fucking uh, commercials, like, there was uh, one where this girl was, they kept showing her having a shave, and she had this little fucking pair of panties on and this little fucking bra thing on, and, uh, she, it was a commercial for a tattoo it show? It was a commercial for shaving. Oh. But she had tattoos on her arms and a tattoo on her leg. There was a uh, another one where it was for uh, opportunities to go to nursing school. And uh, there, was, uh, there were two people that had received their diplomas through the nursing school on there. And one of them had uh, tattoos on both of their arms. And the other one had a big tattoo on their leg that they had a screw. I mean, but like it was, it was, it was created intentionally to demonstrate what you were saying in in the previous episodes about how tattoos are like not only just an accepted part of the culture, but a celebrated part of the culture at this point in time. There's nothing subversive about a tattoo anymore at all. No, nothing at all. Um, and I don't know, I, I mean, again, if you can make money on, on doing tattoos and, and art is what yeah. you love, not, do no it. judgments here, yeah. But I'm well, guessing... It's about meaning and stuff. Yeah. Like, deeper, like, 
the My Little Mermaid tattoo for $99 probably doesn't mean a whole lot. So, so tattoos, well, you were going to go down the list, weren't you? No, I just wanted to talk well, about... 13, uh, well, I wanted to talk shows. about two, two more things okay. besides the 13 bullshit shows. Because some of them are spinoffs based on city. Like, there's LA Inc. and I think New York Inc. and Miami Inc. There's a Chicago one, I think, right? Well, then there's Black Inc. New York That's right. and Chicago Inc. Or Black Inc. Chicago. And then Inc. Masters, which that's the Dave Navarro one. Um, there's just a bunch of fucking horrible shows. Um, and again, they're reality shows. So, and a couple of them are about fucked up tattoos that are need to be redone. So that kind of goes back to your example of just feeling better because somebody else is a bigger dildo than you, <laughs> right? Like the one that I saw, some girl had it like, right above her bikini line and it was a logo for subway and it said eat fresh and the arrow was pointing down to her pussy um obviously she probably wanted to get that removed before her wedding or whatever um she could have just put uh not so above i think i still think it's horrible just because she's doing a fucking ad for subway yeah okay I got that's it. the reason that i'm bothered by it Um, but the, the, so I guess we don't have to talk about bikers cause we're already at an hour and 10. Um, the, the last thing that I really want to talk about is that commercial success does not mean being in commercials. It could, but it doesn't necessarily. And I think in a lot of cases, that being in commercials makes you a sellout. But either way, I've got two examples, and they're just kind of, again, how hip-hop has become so mainstream. So the first one, and I don't know if our fucking listeners know who Sir Mix-a-Lot is, but he did a song called I Like Big Butts and I Cannot Lie. You other both can't deny it. Right. Um, now... That is a commercial for Chex Mix. He changed the lyrics. So instead of saying me so horny, there's a bunch of girls that say me so hungry. That's, that's um, Skywalker though, isn't it? No, from the... Um, no, I, I mean, that is that, Luke Skywalker, yeah. but it's a different thing. It's a different song, different part of the lyrics. Because that... Luke Skywalker and the two life crew is the Vietnamese lady yeah. saying, Oh, me so horny, me love you long time in Vietnam because it was from uh, Full Metal Jacket. Yeah, from Full Metal Jacket. Cuddle, stop licking my arm. Um, but this is different. So he talks about how the round thing makes him so horny. Um, and the girls, the same ones that say, oh, me so hungry. The, in the original song, they say, look at that butt, Becky. <laughs> it's something, I bet you she does porn. And this time, 
they say, look at how round those are, or look at those bagel chips, Becky. They're so round and tasty. It's it's absolutely yeah, fucking bad. horrible, dude. Yeah, that's bad. And if you listen to the original song and then the commercial, you'll know what the fuck I'm talking about. The other funny part, though, is there's a song by DJ Shadow. And I first heard this song because of Mike Judge and Silicon Valley. Uh, the opening verse says... Picture this. I'm a bag of dicks. Put me to your lips. I am sick. I will punch a baby bear in his shit. Give me lip. I'm going to send you to the yard. Get a stick. Make a switch. I can end the conversation real quick. He goes on to say, I'm going to pinch your mama's booty, kick your dog, fuck your bitch. Um, screaming, yes, I am guilty, motherfuckers. I am death. I mean, he says fuck multiple times throughout the song. And the chorus is... Nobody speak, nobody get choked. Nobody speak, nobody get choked. Cadillac is using that song for a commercial. Obviously, they removed the lyrics. But I just, it makes me laugh to think of some fucking 75-year-old man going to buy a new Cadillac because he heard the jazzy commercial and it's... Well, what, what I just what described. What you just said. Yeah. It's not Cadillac cookies, people. Um, but, it, you know, they just have absorbed it. It's accepted. And who knows? Maybe that person buying the Cadillac would think that the song is great. I don't know. I think it's fucking sweet. But cutesy like this little old lady driving around. <laughs> nobody talk. Nobody get choked. I'd like to see that. <laughs> some ch some lady about 70, yeah. Picture this. Like 410. Four Picture <laughs> this. I'm a bag of dicks. Put me to your lips. Um, Yeah, so. Maybe we should commission something like that, dude. That would be funny. It would be kind of funny. You'd probably get, you know, 10 or 12 million views. Um. There was some other stuff I wanted to talk about that even though it was absorbed, it's still kind of fighting, like the, the biker thing. You know, a lot of bikers are still pissed that they have to fucking wait in line for two years to get a Harley because now every doctor and lawyer wants one. Um, I feel horrible for them. Yeah, it's not that I feel bad for them. It's just part of that, you know, it's been absorbed and... There are people fighting the absorption. And, and and those bikers who are tough motherfuckers all love their American flags and blah, 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 blah. There's consequences for, you know, you can only, you can't only look at things through a one-dimensional position. Not you. I know. Bikers. And whatever, I'm not hating on bikers, but I just think that if you're going to, you know, live free or die... You know, maybe you ought to look deeper into the meaning of what it is that you're assuming that means and what it actually plays out to mean as soon as it gets romanticized by doctors and lawyers. And I think that's a generational thing, too, almost like the telephone game, because the fucking first biker gangs, you know, were World War II veterans that didn't quite 
fit in when they got back. They probably had PTSD or whatever. So they just bought bikes to kind of wander around. And then, you know, it grew from there. And then next thing you know, you end up with one percenter clubs. And that, because a lot of them came back from Vietnam and did the same thing. Um, and now you've got what we've got now with, you know, people blowing shit up and selling crank and whatever. Um, okay, so we are coming up on an hour and 17, pretty close. Was there anything else that you we, we skipped over that you didn't get a... Well, I was going to talk about Easy Rider, which is a fairly decent movie, but I didn't get a chance to watch it again because it's not streaming anywhere. I've never seen Easy Rider, dude. Um, it's it's not great, and it's kind of weird. Film, it's it's got Peter, some weird uh, shit. What's his name? And uh, um, Peter Fonda and Dennis Hopper. Yeah. Those are the main guys. Yeah, and they're taking coke all over the place and... Isn't that, isn't that kind of one of the things they're doing or they got coke in their gas tank or something like that oh fuck maybe I need to watch it again because I don't really remember that part but maybe yeah I don't know I know that they're on bikes and it's not like they're part of a one percenter gang but they're no, no, no. cruising yeah, around just, I mean it's just, it's just yeah I mean if it, if it had Dennis Hopper in it it has to have like that freedom hippie-ishness in it or else it's not going to happen and Peter Fonda yeah. For the same reason, probably. But I was going to, you know, kind of compare and contrast that with the movie that sort of talked about what I just did called, I think it's Old Dogs. And it's uh, <laughs> Tim Allen and John yeah. Travolta, Martin Lawrence, and uh, that redhead dude from Shameless. Um, uh, 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 he's got three names. It's not Philip yeah. Seymour. It's William H. Macy. Yeah, mm-hmm. he's been in a bunch of shit. But that those doctors, lawyers, whatever, are going to cruise across the country and they end up in New Mexico and they, they fight with this biker gang. And the biker gang said exactly what I just did. Mm-hmm. You know, you assholes. Thank For you. the purposes of time, it would be good to like throw like some of the anarchy into that space, though, too, you know, because that still is like sort of, I mean, it's 10 years ago, right? I mean, but it would bring it at least. I, I dig Sons of Anarchy. But that's the spirit of their disposition is tied a little bit more to that old. Yes. So you, you, you'd have like the, the original idea, the, the obnoxious. John Travolta, William H. Macy, Tim fucking Allen. It's kind of a funny movie, uh-huh. but it it's along the lines of, you know, are we there yet? Yeah. Um, it, it's not really that well, maybe good. We'll come, maybe we'll come back to the, uh, the the motorcycle gangs at some other point in time. We yeah. could probably spin them back in another way. So. Um, so I guess that's it. Any questions, you can call or email us. Our email is shortbusdebateclub at yahoo.com. 720-334-ROLL. And the uh, environmental stuff is what we're going to do next time, right? Yeah. The uh, Try to dispel some myths about the current move to what we perceive to be clean and renewable energy. Absolutely, that is the case. So we'll see you next time and have a good day. Adios.